welcome to the Global Security and Protection Group podcast. This is your host, Ron Jacobus. We hope you enjoy these conversations on executive protection and security management as we meet with security practitioners and industry thought leaders. Welcome to episode 15 of the Global Security and Protection Group podcast. This is your host, Ron Jacobus, and today I am joined by Michael J. Gonzalez, a security professional and U.S. Marine combat veteran. Mike joined the U.S. Marine Corps in pre-Y2K, serving eight years from 1999 to 2007, uh, during which he served in Iraq, Africa, and Kuwait. Following his military service, uh, Mike made the transition to the private sector, where he has worked for Gavin DeBecker as a security staffs agent to an independent security contractor for a private Japanese client in Japan and an executive protection team leader with HEB. And today, Mike is based in Texas, where he serves as the manager of Whataburger's brand security program. And if working for Whataburger wasn't already the most Texas thing he could do, he uh, recently founded the Texas Executive Protection Professionals Organization. Uh, at the beginning of the year, with an emphasis on strengthening executive protection in Texas. And uh, with all that, Mike, I got to say, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation between the two of us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, it was the first time I've done a podcast. And man, you I feel a little dated when you said he was pre-Y2K. So I haven't heard that term in a while. So uh, golly, man, that's freaking dinosaur. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're both uh, pre-Y2K uh, individuals here, so uh, nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, I could say a lot about you. You got a great reputation in industry. I burned through a number of your occupational titles while running through your bio. And although it's impressive, um, it really doesn't share who you are as a person or your security philosophy as a protector. Um, but you have a great LinkedIn profile. And, uh, and your bio there is perhaps my favorite. Um, and it reads, a living, breathing line of defense for businesses and their surroundings against external threats, intrusion, and circumstantial vulnerabilities. Uh, I couldn't love that more. Um, could you fill us in on your background, your security journey, and uh, maybe start with dissecting that quote for us? Um, because it says so much in so little. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, EP touches so many different industries. And I think that's what that quote kind of is entailing is, you know, some of the top EP guys out there are not just EP, right? They're investigators, they're drivers, they're uh, threat assessors. I mean, just you name it, they're cross-functional across the board. So it's, it is a lot of words. It's a, you know, kind of a fancy paragraph to just say you're the jack of all trades in a way. But uh, really, that's what I emphasize to be and do. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I, I really kind of consider myself the accidental bodyguard. Never in a million years that I think I'd be in this industry uh, or I would have gotten into the EP industry. And um, I owe it all to the Marine Corps, actually, because it was, you know, uh, infantry Marine and, uh, you know, the, the typical 03 Marines like, you know, go be a firefighter, go do law enforcement or whatever. Right. And uh, I don't know, none of those really resonated with me. And I just, just by luck, I think I had three months left in, in the Marine Corps or three or four months left. And I was stationed at uh, MCRD San Diego at the time. And uh, one of the Marines said, hey, I'm going to go do a job interview this weekend um, up in LA, Burbank, actually, for a security firm. Would you like to go? And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever, right? So 
you know, I go to Macy's that night, you know, buy a hundred dollar khaki suit, brown tie. And, uh, I had that, that act, that Marine actually helped me that night print out, you know, my, my, my CV, if you will. And man, it wasn't very long, you know, so there's only so many security skills you could put on there besides, you know, shooting a, a crew serve weapons. And, and besides that, it was, you know, some Microsoft skills. So I had an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper in my hand and a khaki suit. And I showed up to this, uh, uh, so it's basically, you know, a tryout there, uh, if you will, in Burbank. And I had no intentions at all, no knowledge of the EP industry, nothing. This is late 2006, early 2007. And, um, and man, you know, they took a liking to me. I, uh, I came back for a second interview. And the next thing you know, uh, I'm there in Los Angeles working, um, uh, starting my EP journey. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of, like I said, accidental bodyguard. You know, not something that I really aspired to do, not really wanted to do, and um, but ended up falling in love with and really, really kind of grew on me. And, and it's taken me to pretty much every other place uh, I've been at. You know, it's really cool. And uh, I know you and I have had conversations previous to this. Um, it's kind of like the Hollywood-esque-ness of the bodyguard world or the executive protection world and the realities of it. Um, and I think, uh, you sum it up, uh, kind of where you started, right? You grab that $150 Macy's suit, um, and, and everybody that you see, um, kind of perpetuating the stereotype through the, the, uh, influencer side of executive protection. Um, it, it may be yep. kind of stopgap some individuals from even considering it as a, uh, as a barrier to entry. Right. Um, and, and maybe talk about for those new protectors or people who are thinking about even military law enforcement guys about making that transition, um, kind of what more the realities are, um, as opposed to what we see, um, through the influencer base, um, for individuals who want to start out, um, like yourself who maybe, um, didn't have the, uh, (laughs) the, the, the deep pockets for Armani suits or, didn't drive all these fast cars or have a background with all that stuff. Um, didn't have a, a jet plane to stand in front of and, and create some photos before they got into industry. Just to make things clear, there were no influencers around when I, when I joined. Okay. So, um, back to dating myself, when I joined Gavin Becker, I think the iPhone had came out that summer. It debuted iPhone one. Right. So, wow, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, there were no influencers. There were no um, social media pages dedicated to EP or the EP industry or mixers or networking. There really wasn't much going around. It was just kind of that old breed around teaching the new breed. And you just, I mean, you you learned the hard way, right? OJT. And that was it. Um, So I've kind of seen this evolution way more digital today than it was when I started in late 2006, early 2007. Um, You know, I, 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 I vaguely remember the GPS systems back then, right? I'm a kid from South Texas driving around clients in Los Angeles with a TomTom. <laughs> yep. Or remember those? Remember TomTom? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the company's still around, but I don't think they, they're really in business. But So we had TomToms or, oh my gosh, man, Ron, I think I remember printing out yep. uh, MapQuest, right? An actual eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and looking down at a map question, you know, turn left here, come up to the exit, turn right. So, um, gosh, dude, Bluetooth was just coming out. So, I mean, there was no AirPods. There was none of this. There was no Apple CarPlay to assist us. 
And quite frankly, I mean, there wasn't really G socks. There were G socks, but for larger corporations, EPA teams didn't have that intelligence convergence at that point yet. You know, we weren't there yet. So I remember calling back to a command center where someone, and I say command center, someone has a residential security team, right? Someone, someone sitting in, in, a, in a makeshift command center in a hut in front of some high net worth individual's house that pulls up the, you know, uh, uh, map quest. And he's telling me, hey, avoid this traffic jam up ahead or whatever. So that was our GSOC back then. But anyways, to your question is, uh, you know, to, to guys getting out of law enforcement and military, you know, that's a tough one because a lot of times they're directed right into a school, right into an academy. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing, um, but, you know, it's, it's always knowledgeable. And I think it's always a good start to just reach out to people that may know someone in the industry and you can talk to someone and just, and just get their feedback and they can tell you the do's and don'ts or the hard times that they had. And I think that's really where, I think that's really where they'll shine is listening and, and talking to people that are already in the, in the industry, finding those people, obviously that can be a challenge. You're not going to get out of the military and just, you know, look on Facebook and find someone. Um, but yeah, I think finding someone that's in or has been in the industry and just talking, having that honest conversation, 30, 20 minutes and just, and just listening. And, uh, but, but academies don't hurt, Ron, you know, you can always go straight into academy and they can teach you those hard and soft skills, um, that you need to know regardless. So yeah, it's, it's kind of one or two ways or both. Yeah. I think as you highlighted there, uh, one or two or both. Right. And, and, uh, there's a common phrase, two is one, one is none. Um, and if you go both those paths, I think you'll have a, a lot of points of success, uh, both talking individuals going through a formal academy. Um, and of course, that is a, a topic of its own, right? Who to go to, what's credentialed, what's not, what's going to get you where you need to go, right? Making sure that your path is appropriate for the training path that you embark on. Um, and, and perhaps you have some insight on some of that as well. Um, but on that point of uh, going back a little bit and dating yourself, uh, speaking of, of, uh, of academies and, and training, one of the last training courses I went to, um, so heavily bent on the use of technology. And not that there's anything wrong with that. That's where we're at today. Um, but to stop and think in retrospect to working in that world previous to, like you said, iPhone 1 was coming online when you were uh, just starting out. And I look at how much uh, how much emphasis is placed on communications, right? Just directly through the cell phone, right? It's non-discreet. Everybody's using it. Um, how did you guys manage some of these communications, especially uh, while you're out on foot with a client, um, when you're in the middle of a detail? How did you effectively communicate? Um, and I think it just might be an interesting point of conversation uh, for so many people who started operating in a post-technological world. Oh, wow. Pin messaging on Blackberries, for one. Oh, man, the Blackberries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Pin messaging was, I don't know if you remember pin messaging. It was supposed to be the secure thing at the time, right? So that was kind of like pin messaging was like the signal app of the late 2000s in a way. Um, and that's a great company. You know, company was called RIM, R-I-M, Research in Motion, and they made the BlackBerry. So um, when I first came on the scene in 2007, that's what we were using. And that's what was the most secure. Um, you know, granted, the, the typical carrier, Verizon, AT&T, were all still supporting them. But they were the only phones really at that time that had their own in-house encrypted messaging, right? I don't know how it worked, to be honest with you, but I don't think it went up through the server and went through the, the carrier service, just kind of like from phone to phone in a way. But um, yeah, I mean, we had old Motorola uh, radios with 
really shitty serve kits to, to boot, you know, and things like that. So what could go wrong went wrong all the time. But I think it made made us better. I think it made us better protectors, not having all the tech, to be honest with you. And it's kind of like in the Marine Corps when I when I joined in 98, 99. I mean, we we always we did the most with the least, right? We always got the shitty hand-me-downs from the army. And we just that's just the cards we were dealt. You know, we were poor by design, but it made us better fighters because when we're in battle or on combat or in theater, we do the most with the least and we can kind of improvise and adapt and overcome. And I think that translates into the EP world as well. Sometimes more isn't always better. And um, yeah, you know, I, I guess I never thought about it that way. It's had kind of analog systems that we had to go by, but they made us better protectors because they, 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 all they did, all that did was yes, frustrate us in the moment, but oh my God, Ron, that heightened our situational awareness and we didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, you know, I think, I think tech is great until a primitive attack happens. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, interesting, I have yet to be at a training iteration um, where we do kind of deal with whether it's a grid down situation or just a, an extended blackout or whether you have some technological interruptions, right? I mean, tech is great until you need it kind of one of those things, man, I would love to go to one of those, um, or if somebody wants to set something up, um, and you're listening and you have that training, uh, academy or, or provider, and you want to throw something out there, that'd be something fun to go do, go do something, stripping yourself, kind of a stripped down detail, right. And, and, uh, just working through that with a team, um, that would be fun, especially for somebody like myself and my generation, which didn't get to experience that reality. Um, because somebody like yourself, if you do run into those hiccups, you get to revert back to that skill. But my generation doesn't really have that luxury of knowing that environment previous to tech. Ah, wow. That's a great point. I didn't think of that, man. And, you know, um, having radios and serve kits are great or having the AirPods in your ears and, and that digital communication, but without it, I think it really teaches you to observe your, you know, your teammates' body language or facial expressions and or just noticing something's wrong on the other side of the room on the opposite side of the principal. So, you know, kind of kind of feeling your way to communicate. So, yeah, never thought of that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting topic. And I think uh, we'll have to run that down in, in the future and maybe see if we can get somebody to uh, to pounce on that idea. Yeah. But uh Kind of to to shift a little bit and talk about your experience, kind of, and what you're doing now. Um, I, I I talked about where you're at over at Whataburger, uh, living in Texas myself. Uh, before I made the the great reverse migration to California, <laughs> um, we pretty much high fived each other, flipping back and forth. Great company, uh, great brand, and you have the luxury of kind of being at the helm there from the security side. And can you talk a little bit about that? Um, it is a very notable brand. Um, and if you're a, a Texan, uh, it is uh, darn near worshipped um, over there in the food realm. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you some space there to talk about what it is you do, how you guys do it, and what it is you love about being over there. Well, I thought you were going to say in and out for a second. I was like, oh, this podcast, this the session's over. So thank you for not comparing comparing the two. But um, <laughs> no, yeah. So I've been at Whataburger now for about eight years, and I absolutely love my job. I love what I do. And uh, I was fortunate enough to start in May of 2015 as a contractor to help out with uh, the current family at the time that owned it, kind of 
startup, a few EP details, and which end up turning into an EP team, which ended up turning into an EP program, which ended up turning into uh, a number of things. And that that was really nice because it blossoms into something such, uh, so great. And they really uh, kind of let me run with it. And that was really nice to, to kind of do things my way and, and uh, be trusted. So the family at the time, you know, it's they're uh, born and raised in Texas. Like you said, it's a Texas brand. It's founded in 1950 by Harmon Dobson. And if you look him up, the, the owner, Harmon, uh, Harmon Dobson, man, he has such a cool history. You know, he, uh, so our, our, our logo is five W's in one, but it looks like one and we call it the flying W. It's, it's kind of like an aviation symbol. And uh, our old Whataburgers back in the 50s and 60s were these big, tall A-frames, and they had orange and white stripes. And that was because Harmon Dobson used to fly single-engine Cessna planes. And back in the 50s and 60s, all the, all, you know, all the buildings were kind of flat. So you had to be right on top of it to see where it was. And there was no Waze or Google Maps back then. So he was kind of a visionary. And he could, you know, he'd like to take up Cessna and fly up and see where his, his, uh, his stores were. So that, I really liked the stories about it. And I and just so it got such an illustrious history. And, um, but going back to your original question, yeah, so started off as kind of an EP contractor and just kind of doing a detail here and there. And it ended up being such a good deal. The family, I really fell in love with them. And honestly, the first year was just kind of earning their trust. And that was something I had to learn because it was kind of this hybrid of your EP for uh, executives slash family, but at the same time, corporate EP too, right? For the folks there at the home office, because my principals came to work Monday through Friday, right? So they weren't just like board members that flew in every now and then they, they showed up to work. So, you know, it made it interesting. And, and we were kind of, uh, they never had that EP presence at the corporate office. So one day it was just, we just started and it was just like, who are these guys in these blazers walking around, you know? So that was an interesting experience. We had to, um, I kind of like want to coin the term assimilate our presence, right? You can't just show up one day and, and not talk to people and to be that strange guy in the blazer walking around because um, people are asking questions. So when I mean by the phrase assimilate your presence, and that's kind of what we had to do because, you know, on a Monday, all of a sudden there was three guys in, in blazers just walking around the halls like, like they're federal agents or something. So, you know, Becky from finance is like, who are these guys? Right. So we, we couldn't just not smile and, and just be the EP guys. We also had to assimilate ourselves to that culture and um, smile, interact, engage, and just be the right amount of friendly, but also be have that protective posture. So that was a really interesting experience. And uh, I would say after about a year of earning everyone's trust, we just kind of became part of the family, you know? So, um, but anyways, uh, back to your original question, uh, it started off with EP and then, you know, uh, the company kind of asked, Hey, can you, maybe help out with some policies and procedures. Uh, you know, HR is looking to this workplace violence stuff. Sure, it can help with that. And what about active shooter presentation? Sure, it can help with that. Uh, terminations, et cetera, et cetera. So it just kind of opened up this whole other can of worms. And I kind of think that's where a lot of the older EP guys are today. It, usually, you know, I mean, you can do EP for your whole life. Don't get me wrong. But I see a lot of them kind of evolve into security directors or corporate security managers. And they're kind of like sometimes EP, but always director of everything else. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at today. I do a little bit of everything. No, that's really cool. And uh, I mean, you kind of, like you said, you guys 
were managing those soft skills before it really was, you know, all these coined phrases and everybody kind of uh, had their two cents in the game. You guys, like you said, just kind of showed up, assimilated quickly, gained some trust, and uh, your role flourished and into what you have today. Um, and I think that's cool. Starting something kind of from the ground up as a contractor, then into a full time, and then to kind of just expanding that with time. Um, what advice do you have for somebody that? is rolling into your shoes uh, that we kind of just discussed. Maybe started as a contractor, now has a full-time position. And like you said, now they're making that transition to a director role or a manager role and really looking at more kind of the holistic security management as opposed to just that fine point of the executive protection uh, portion. Yeah, I would say um, multi-purpose and cross-functional. You know, in corporate America, they use that term cross-functional. You should already be doing that in the EP role as just a kind of a first time or first year agent, right? You're, you're meeting with executive admins, you're doing your advance, you may have to talk to an event planner or a hotel manager or the head of valet to get your principal's car. Apart. So you're, you're engaging with all these other people that have nothing to do with EP, but they're in essence going to help you do EP, right? So I think that translates over. And that's what I would say, especially with corporate EP or corporate security directors, you know, just be flexible enough to, to, to talk you don't have to know everyone's job in legal or HR um, or finance, but you just need to know the person in those departments that you need to talk to, right? So I just say stay cross-functional. That's the best advice I can give. You know, don't, you know, I remember when the pandemic hit run and, you know, 2020, early 2020, and everyone, the whole globe's shut down. And man, there was a lot of EP guys out there. It's like sledgehammers, right? Sledgehammers are good at, at doing one thing and they didn't want to do anything else. So all of a sudden, no more events, no more, uh, no more corporate events, no more travel. Principals kind of hunkered down and they just they're they didn't have any EP gigs anymore. So they went from the guys on the red carpets to guarding toilet paper at grocery stores because they refused to be the guy that could do a risk assessment or an investigation or be a driver or or humble themselves and be like, you know what? I guess I'm going on a residential security team for the time being or whatever. They just wanted to do details. And I would also advise, man, be flexible, be willing to do just about a little bit of everything. You don't have to be a, an expert and a professional at everything, but just have that surface level knowledge of everything. No, I think that's, that's really interesting. Like you said, and we know people who either left the executive protection world entirely during the pandemic, started doing something else, um, or they became multi-purpose, they were flexible. And uh, I know a lot of guys who sat some of them less happy than others. Some of them perfectly happy to make that pivot. Um, sat on RST, residential security teams, um, and just kind of waited it out with their client, stayed on the team, repurposed, because yep. uh, certainly the client didn't want to lose the talent. Uh, but they also, nobody really knew how this was going to shake out, what kind of shape we're all going to come out. And now we know we're all traveling again. EP teams are cruising the world uh, just like they were before. And so I, I think that's an important perspective to have looking back, especially for new people that, are, that may be encountering some turbulence in the future. Um, in your role, uh, another point of, of an area that I think is interesting, um, interacting with other teams, other corporations, other managers, security directors, security management professionals, the coordination that goes into either day-to-day -day or special events. Um, can you talk about kind of that facet of your job of, of kind of coordinating with external resources and teams? Yeah. So right now we've been opening a lot of uh, new Whataburgers in different markets. Um, last year we entered the Kansas City market, Nashville, 
some of our franchisees went out to Colorado Springs for the first time. Now we're going into North Atlanta. <clears throat> so I kind of uh, harnessed that old EP guy in me with the advance work, right? So here we go again. It's just a lot of this stuff spills over into non-EP stuff so you can use it. So when I'm going out to these new states, these new markets, um, you know, you got you to get on the ground and shake hands and meet the local law enforcement, the local security teams. Because when we're opening these new restaurants, Ron, I'm not kidding. There'll be a three hour long drive through line. People go crazy. I'm not complaining, but um, yeah, it's, it, gets, it gets interesting. So um, going out there, finding, uh, finding out if we need permits, what are the state laws in these states? And, uh, and just kind of, is this something you can't do over a Teams call or a Zoom? You really got to be on the ground and uh, shaking hands sometimes and just meeting them. So uh, I definitely think that's important. You know, there's this in this in this in the Zoom slash Teams world we live in, nothing beats meeting someone face to face. It's the ultimate red receipt. Mm. That is that is quite a statement right there. The ultimate red receipt. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Did you receive it? And, you know, you see them nodding. I'll be like, I mean, how do you deny that? Right. It's like I, I watched you confirm it you nod it up and down so no i love that and, and i think in in a digital world of course um you know i love aspects of it i love the ability to reach out broadly and uh, can connect with people uh we met you know through linkedin right and uh, we're able to leverage that but it, but again i mean this is for now as close as we get to uh an in-person conversation but yeah whether it's in person at least pick up the phone and have that actual formal conversation with somebody outside of you know the text conversation of a messaging app or email or whatnot um and, and make sure that conversation is actually heard um but you just still i'm i'm an in-person type of guy um that is paramount to me so i i love what you're saying there about getting on the ground actually having those those face-to-face -face conversations with people but back to to your experience you talked about you know earlier, and I'll circle back to, to the previous conversation about gaining trust from your executive team and the corporation, right? Coming in, I'd love for you to dig in a little bit from the executive side, right? Gaining trust with your executive, um, but maintaining that appropriate posture for the work that you do. I know there's a delicate balance, and I know that that is a constant discussion in the realm of executive protection. And uh, I think it'd be great to get your perspective and your experience in navigating that. Yeah, that's a great one, man. Um, so whoever says, you know, the principal doesn't have a favorite, <laughs> not true. So, you know, and that's another going back to what you said, if you can give some advice, that's something, you know, I would, I would definitely tell that to the guys coming in is like, don't get dismayed and discouraged if you get pulled off a detail and you didn't, you don't even get told why, but you're, you, you're doing fine. You didn't, you didn't drop the ball. There's some times where the principal just doesn't resonate with that agent. And that's nothing wrong with that, man. You, you, there's, that, there's that natural and unnatural rapport that the agent has with each principal. And I've been on details where, you know, I'm not on the detail the next time or whatever, right? And you start circling thoughts. What did I do wrong? And this and that. And I would say, just keep going, man. Keep pushing. That doesn't mean anything. And, you know, verbal feedback is one thing, but, you know, not being asked back on there and you get to a different detail and you thrive, that's totally different. So um, they do have favorites. Some say they don't, whatever, but they do. A principal is going to take a liking to a certain agent over another one. And I don't know, it could be their hair, it could be how tall they are, whatever, the way they speak, but it's natural and it does happen. So I would give that advice to younger guys coming in. 
No, I think that's great, right? Um, not to get discouraged early on, and even if you have time on, right? right. Sometimes puzzle pieces don't match. Um, and uh, I think that's the beauty of maybe being on an organization or, or a, a part of a company that does service several clients, right? Um, not all your eggs are in that same basket, but um, when you're managing like yourself uh, a program and you've got somebody that's maybe struggling, this is more of a supervisory uh, question for you in your role. How do you how do you navigate that? How do you help somebody uh, work through maybe some of those hiccups um, when you know that they have really good skills? You want to keep them. How do you get them more prepped for that environment? Oh wow, that's a good one. If it was a certain thing that they're lacking, I would coach them just on that. I wouldn't hit them on on everything, right? Because like you said, if they're really good at uh, you know X, Y, and Z, but A, B, and C they're lacking. Well, you know, I think the the best thing, honestly, Ron, is blunt force facts. As I like to say, just tell them up front. It's better to be slapped with the truth than kissed with a lie. And I can't tell I can't tell you how many times people are, you know, like, oh, you know, well, this and that. I'm like, just tell me, man. Just blunt force truth. Just tell me. And I think that happens a lot too. Um, we kind of tiptoe around things. So it's kind of an open-ended question. And I don't know exactly. It had to be very specific on what they did. But my best advice is full transparency. And that way, they, there's no tiptoeing and they don't second guess themselves. They're not thinking it could be A, B, or C. It's going to be A because I just told you it was A. And uh, so, yeah, that's, what, that's, that's my best advice on that. You know, I think that's great, right? Uh, I, I love that term you threw there. And uh, coming from the law enforcement side and yourself coming from the military side, um, I think we're, we're somewhat used to that, right? Debriefs and after action reports, and it becomes very familiar in our environments. Um, and I think that's why you see a natural progression from you know military law enforcement to the EP world, um, because you're used to accepting that kind of very hard critique criticism that's appropriate. And with the benefit of we want to build you up at the end of the day and, and really have you here working in this environment. Um, so I think that's great. Um, and I think for other supervisors that are listening that may find themselves in this role or already have found themselves in this role, will kind of look at what you say and, uh, and compare notes and probably agree with that same sentiment. And Mike, we have still so much more to unpack together today. Uh, but before we do so, I'd like to take a moment to highlight a few upcoming conferences for 2023 for our listening audience. And y'all, for those listening, we will be back with more from Mike Gonzalez on executive protection and security management in just a moment. Are you looking to grow your security network, enhance your understanding of security topics, and listen to compelling speakers? Well, we would like to take a moment to highlight three upcoming conferences in 2023 that we believe have a positive impact on the industry, and focus their attention on the benefit of their conference attendees. First in the stack is next week's BEPP conference from June 7th to the 9th in Kansas City, Missouri. Make sure to connect with me, your GSPG podcast host, if you will be in attendance at this conference. Also make sure to monitor the BEPP organization's LinkedIn and website for a recap of this upcoming conference. And for more information, on next year's conference and other important upcoming events. Next up is the 31st Annual Threat Management Conference from August 15th to the 18th in 2023. This conference is hosted by the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, the Los Angeles Police Department, and the Los Angeles Police Department's Threat Management Unit. It is designed to address major issues surrounding mass shootings and other public attacks, workplace violence, school campus violence, domestic violence, assassination of public figures, 
and other situations involving the prevention of targeted violence. A variety of nationally recognized speakers will give presentations on current information, research, and techniques relating to the industry. And because I know y'all are wondering, it will once again be hosted at the Disneyland Resort Hotel in Anaheim, California. And to round out the year, the International Protective Security Board's 2023 Close Protection Conference will run from December 6th through the 8th in 2023 at the Toyota Music Factory in Dallas, Texas. The Close Protection Conference is committed to delivering a unique educational and networking experience for seasoned service providers, new and aspiring EP professionals, and for representatives of all industry sectors. These three conferences provide incredible opportunities for new and seasoned protectors alike to become better connected, educated, and positioned for the next chapter of their protection journey. Welcome back to the Global Security and Protection Group podcast. Uh, we are in episode 15, and uh, we are talking with Michael Gonzalez about executive protection, security management, his role over at the illustrious Whataburger, the Mecca of Texas, and uh, his experience as an executive protection and security management professional. Mike, we were just kind of talking about your experience over as a supervisor, some of the things that you would do and you have done in uh, kind of your experience leading teams in a corporate environment. Inevitably, we keep circling back to, you know, this networking aspect of executive protection. And uh, I'd really like to dig into that because, uh, again, we're seeing people dealing with kind of the ebb and flow of, of layoffs in different kind of sectors throughout the security world. And uh, a lot of people are going to be entering back into that networking space. But also, I view it, and I'll, I want to get your thoughts on it. I, I kind of view networking as a continuous cycle, whether you're in a role and you're firmly placed or whether you're seeking new employment, uh, and networking is just a cycle that keeps kind of evolving. And it's more continuous than just kind of when you need a job. So with that, you decided at the beginning of the year, uh, you kind of found a, a void, and I'll let you talk about that here in a moment, uh, kind of within the, the Texas executive protection space. And so go ahead and, and kind of uh, share with our listeners your philosophy, what led you to starting this organization, and uh, kind of what it is you guys do. 100%, Ron. Yeah. So your, your net worth is your network, and your network is your net worth. Yep. So uh, TEP... Texas Executive Protection Professionals was really just a thought last December over a glass of whiskey and me uh, <laughs> and me thinking like, man, I kind of want to have a party yep. and I want people to come to me. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit narcissistic, but it worked. And um, but yeah, in, in a nutshell, I really wanted to just hone in on the state of Texas. Um, nothing. I mean, the, we already have IPSB doing, you know, global, national. We've got BEPP with James Cameron. They're doing great things. And we've got that conference coming up here next month. So I really just want to kind of focus on the state. Um, no one was really doing that. And, uh, you know, you've heard, I mean, have you heard of Texas? Yes. We're having Texas right now. The great, the great Texas. So, um, you know, I just, I just wanted to get ahead of it, kind of be first to market on that before someone from Jersey or Palo Alto or Portland that was a you know an EP guy that moved to Texas so you know let's let's start a let's start our organization um but you know it, it's going to be twice a month I'm sorry twice a month twice a year that would be that would be a lot that'd be a lot of drinks right twice a year so every <laughs> March and October 
And uh, every March we'll be here in San Antonio, Texas, because that's where it was founded. And every October we are going to rotate between Houston, Austin, and Dallas. And uh, so I can make the announcement here that we are actually having the next one, October 14th, Saturday afternoon in Houston, Texas. Uh, stay tuned. I haven't announced the, where the venue is going to be, but it's going to be killer. And, um, it, you know, it's a networking event for uh, EP practitioners. And back to what I said earlier, EP touches so many different industries, right? So threat assessors, drivers, residential security guys. Um, and then I love this new uh, uh, phrase, digital executive protection uh, you know, GSOC guys, you name it. So just kind of everything we can get together. Um, I love going to conferences. I, I, I love uh, listening to panels and breakouts, but for me, Ron, you know, the biggest takeaway from all of them wasn't, uh, so much listening to those, the talks and the speeches and the keynotes. It was really having a beer with some guy I'd never met at the bar afterwards and just exchanging, you know, business cards. And whether that guy calls on me to send me an email the next week, say, hey, nice meeting you, or it's two years later saying, hey, are you still in Texas? I need a guy. And uh, that's kind of where it came, came about. And um, so, yeah, we're, 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 really, we're really loving it. And uh, who knows where it'll go. I think that's awesome. Um, myself, not being a native Texan, but having lived in Texas, um, you find out very quickly when you're there that Texas sees itself as its own entity. And I think it's more than appropriate to have a Texas executive protection uh, professionals. And, uh, and I think that's just wonderful. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of listeners that live throughout Texas and are on travel teams and do EP work within and across the state. Of course, our company is headquartered over in Houston. Um, and so, you know, you've already had one of these events. Um, it, it's got great reviews. A lot of people throughout the industry um, had a great time, but also emphasized the benefit of the networking portion, right? And I think you have a great point about going to conferences, spending all that money, and the biggest bang for your buck is outside of the actual venue space in the actual conference hall. I mean, it's at that bar or at that other venue space where you're just hanging out with people. And uh, yeah, I think we've all had experiences where you just meet somebody kind of in passing, even on the plane ride home, you end up sitting next to somebody and, and you strike up the conversation. Next thing you know, you're helping them out with a contract or the client is coming to your area of operation. And they want to use you as a lead because again, that face-to-face interaction. Right. So what are some highlights that you guys had from the last mixer that you had? Um, what was something that people can look forward to uh, to this next one? Yeah. I, I, the first one that comes to mind is, uh, I had a friend that, uh, you know, he was going to be there. He registered, everything was good. And he showed up and I said, hi. And then I turned my head and he was gone. And I was like, Oh man, what a dick dude. He left early. Like that's my buddy. (laughs) And, um, anyways, the, the, the mixer starts to kind of come to a close, right? I give my final remarks and, you know, like you can't stay here type of message and, and we're cleaning up. And then he just, he reappears. I'm like, dude, where have you been? And he's like, man, you won't believe this, but I met someone and we're about to sign a contract. So I was in the lobby just talking shop for like the past two and a half hours and telling them about our company and what we're capable of and stuff. And I was like, Roger that. Okay. That's the whole point of this thing. So he got some business out of it in the first like 10 minutes. And, um, and I would say also some people from uh, out of state that have uh, some contracts here in, uh, I'll just say this one it was in Austin. They had a detail in Austin last month and the, uh, the guys in, in California. And he's like, dude, I just, I'm already on a detail and I cannot fly to Austin for this. Do you have anyone there? I'm like, yes, of course. Let me put you in touch with someone. 
So, you know, it's, it's just, just connecting people, man. There's no, that's the ROI here is, is there's no angle at that. You know, I, I had got a couple of questions, you know, and it was like, what's the angle? What are you trying to get out of this? I'm not trying to get anything. I'm just trying to connect people and have a drink or two. And if I meet more friends, so be it, you know, that's, that's great. But, um, it really, really is just, I guess the, the biggest ROI out of TEP is net positive. Everyone wins. If you just come and have a beer, hey, you came and had a beer. That's cool. If you came and got a contract out of it, great. If you came and just met someone you 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 like sharing funny memes with for the rest of your life, great. You know, it's just a net positive. I want everyone to go home and with a smile and just and it's a win for everyone. You know, I love that. And and I love the fact that your ROI is a net positive, that you're really focusing on the individual protector, the individual protector within Texas or who travels to Texas or even external from Texas that want to come and link up with protectors in that state for that exact reason. Hey, look, I've got clients that travel to Texas. I mean, the world is just getting so interconnected that uh, really, even though it is a Texas-based organization for Texas protectors, you really open it up for everybody. And I think that's just so important because we do have that experience and the patchwork that we're dealing with right now um, throughout the country of different licenses, different opportunities for individuals to work throughout different states. Um, I think you've really, you're onto something of having kind of a statewide entity that says, hey, look, here's a Rolodex of folks that come through here. Um, this is kind of who you want to look at. And uh, this is a, a great opportunity for that uh, for individuals who aren't Texas-based. So I think you're onto something there great organization. You guys really had a successful first mixer. Um, and I'm going to do everything I can to make my way back to Texas for that next mixer. Um, it sounds exciting. Sounds like you got something up the sleeve and we won't spill the beans yet. We'll let you do that when you guys are ready, but, uh, it already sounds like it's going to be a great event. Um, with that networking component, um, like you said, your buddy disappears, comes back with a contract. Um, and that was the whole purpose of this event. Um, for individuals that haven't gone, they missed the mixer for this next one. Um, what advice do you give them to be best prepared to have that really great experience that we're talking about here? Yeah. Bring an open mind and bring business cards. Um, first two, I know that kind of sound obvious, but, uh, uh, it's like going fishing without the expectation to catch fish. If you don't catch fish, then, you know, you go home with a smile and you went, you had the enjoyment of just fishing, being fishing. But if you go and you come back with, you know, a, a foot long bass or whatever, hey, great. Right. But go with an open mind, open heart. Don't go with that. I need an ROI out of this. Right. Just go and enjoy yourself and and meet people. And I think I see the best results that way. You know, and never in a million years that I think I, I mean, this last mixer, this first mixer, I keep forgetting it's, it's the first one. Um, man, we had people from mainly majority were from Texas, right? But uh, New York City, Las Vegas, uh, Boston, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, LA, Santa Barbara. So um, it was, oh, in Mexico, we had people come up from, from south of the border. So yeah, you know, it's, it's I, I forget, you know, because I grew up from, I grew up here in Texas, but I forget about how big we are and, uh, and, 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 and just, Man, we've got 14 million people in the civilian labor force here, right? And you know, I grew up here, so there's no personal or corporate income tax. I forget about that. That's just something I grew up with, and uh, so I, you know, I have to be reminded about the draw to the state. 
And, and this, this mixer definitely showed there's something there, like you said, and uh, I, I'm really, truly blessed that there was uh, such a good turn, turnout reaction to it. So, you know, it's kind of like throwing some shit at the wall to see if it's stuck and it, it's stuck. <laughs> That's awesome. And it sounds like it's sticking. Um, and, and I have a friend who runs uh, Team Texas and, and their whole point is to steal business from other states and bring it on to Texas. So like you said, the, the workforce is massive. As business continues to boom in the state of Texas, companies and their executive staff are going to continue making their way over to that state. And I think uh, you really had a vision um, to see that executive protection is going to continue to boom in that area as well. And we're going to have more protectors working, at least travel working in that state. So I think this is a wonderful opportunity to bring that network together. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I think uh, Texas was coined the headquarters of headquarters. I mean, you know, you saw with Elon, with Tesla, and Joe Rogan's moving. I know Joe Rogan isn't a, a headquarters, but you get the drift. Yep. And more and more people are definitely moving here and in the security sector too, right? So it's, it's happening. Absolutely. And with that, as we close, um, I want to give people, since we're on the, the topic of networking, want to give you an opportunity to uh, let people know where they can find you, where they can find TEP, and where the best place is to connect. Yeah, absolutely. So right now we don't, like I said, we're in the infancy phase. There's no website. It's a LinkedIn page. So you can type in and it's all spelled out, Texas Executive Protection Professionals on LinkedIn. Uh, and you'll have all the updates there. And we also have an Instagram page. Same thing. Uh, TEP underscore uh, TX, I think for Instagram. But if you just type in Texas executive protection, you'll find it. Awesome. Awesome. And, and where can individuals find you to, uh, to network directly? LinkedIn's the best, the best way. I would say it's the best vehicle to do that. Awesome, man. Well, Hey, uh, I appreciate your time with us. You got some great insight. Congratulations on launching your first successful mixer with TEP. Uh, I look forward to, uh, hopefully being, but at the very least hearing about the great things on the next mixer. And uh, I look forward to another chat with you in the future. We've had a great conversation. Very interesting to hear your perspective on executive protection, kind of the slide to uh, security management as well. So thank you for your time today. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Mike. And to our listeners, thank you for your continued support of the Global Security and Protection Group podcast. Please like and share this episode and others with your network as we continue to work to bring you good quality executive protection and security management content. And as always, until next time, stay safe.